Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017. I'm Sam Rosenberg. We're going to talk some fantasy football. We're going to focus on wide receivers. We are hip deep in preseason. We're getting close to the beginning of the NFL season. That's right. Very soon, the Thursday after Labor Day kickoff game between the Patriots and I believe it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I hope your um, fantasy football drafts are coming up. I've got a couple this weekend. I'm really looking forward to them. I'm going to get myself enrolled in about, I think last year I was in maybe 10 or 12 fantasy football leagues. I'm a friggin' nut. I love this stuff. I can't get enough of it. Um, This year I intend to do just about the exact same thing. I enjoy it. I love talking about it. And here we go. Let's jump right into it. So today's show, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, wide receivers. So I went through every single team in my running back podcast and pretty much gave you my opinion of all of the running backs on every single team and whether they're even worth thinking about. Well, this time around, I'm going to go through every single team and I'm going to talk about the wide receivers, who's on the team and who's worth thinking about from a fantasy perspective, whether or not they should be on your radar, and pretty much what you can expect from them from my perspective. This is Listen, you can trust me, you can not trust me, but if you're into fantasy football as much as I am, you're looking at the stats, you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at every single training camp, and you want to get a sense of who you need to have on your team so that you can pick that lottery ticket in the 8th, ninth, or 10th round for that wide receiver who's not Antonio Brown that's going to end up being a top 10 receiver this season. So, let's start with my Philadelphia Eagles because I love the NFC East, they're my team, and uh, you know, starting with a crappy team or a forgettable division is not exactly exactly where I want to begin with. So, Eagles number 1 receivers all Sean Jeffrey. High expectations for him. Uh, high expectations for him clicking with Carson Wentz. Uh, they moved on from Jordan Matthews, no longer on the team. So pretty much the key guys you're looking at are Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Torrey Smith, who they brought in to be a, a speedster to take the top off the defense, and then Nelson Aguilar, and then you start talking about tight ends. Um, Right now, I think the only guy to have is Alshon Jeffrey. I cannot guarantee the type of production that Torrey Smith is going to have. He's probably going to be a Ted Ginn home run hitter where you can expect maybe one big play a game, and then some games they might not have any big plays. I have no confidence whatsoever. And They've been saying Nelson Aguilar is going to be amazing. He's had a great training camp, enough to move on from Jordan Matthews. Um, but I'm just, I'm not convinced. I got to see it to believe it. So right now, the only guy I can really count on is Alshon Jeffrey. I have a lot of expectation that he's going to, you know, overachieve this year and perform better than he has the last couple of years. Uh, last couple of years, he's dealt with injury and suspension. I'm expecting a lot from Alshon Jeffrey this year. I think he can do it. He's going very high in drafts this year, and I think it's appropriate. I think he's going to deliver, and I think he will be a solid play this year for the Philadelphia Eagles and in fantasy. Let's shift to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas Cowboys, of course, Des Bryant. I think Des Bryant's going to be great this year. I think, you know, he doesn't seem to be coming off any nagging injuries at the moment, which really have sort of, you know, kept his production down over the last couple of years. He's going to have a full training camp with Dak Prescott, which I really love. He's being drafted high in drafts. I think that's totally appropriate. He should be money in the bank. I feel good about Des Bryant, especially as a red zone threat. Now, beyond him, you start talking about Terrence Williams. You start talking about Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley really showed as a possession receiver and a PPR guy, he can be quite a find. Terrence Williams is a little bit more like he can be a red zone threat, he can be a speedster, but in a way, you kind of almost want to count on more production from Cole Beasley. Like, I feel like both of them in standard scoring, you know, maybe Terrence Williams if Des Bryant goes down, because if Des Bryant goes down, Terrence Williams pretty much gets the bulk of his looks. But when Bryant is on the field... Terrence Williams might not get as many looks, and 
Cole Beasley's a guy where if you're talking PPR, I would say Cole Beasley's ranked higher than Terrence Williams because I think the Cowboys utilize him more. And he really gained the trust of Prescott last year. He really, really stepped up and played great football and showed everybody that he is a serious third receiver on this team. Um, So... Terrence Williams, I would say, take him in a late-round flyer as sort of a handcuff to Des Bryant, but, you know, Cole Beasley's a guy who you could easily pick him up off the waiver wire uh, deep in, you know, deep in your draft or maybe let him go undrafted, but I think he's somebody to be mindful of. New York Giants, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. is being drafted very high in drafts, even with this ankle sprain that he got against the Cleveland Browns last night on Monday Night Football, which, you know, they're saying is a lot uglier than it should be. And, you know, he's really lucky to walk away with only, you know, sort of a nasty ankle sprain. Listen, I think he'll be fine. Odell's going to bounce back. He's a monster. He's always going to be a monster. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's their whole offense right now. We talked about it last year. You know, they needed to give him help, but I still think he's dominant. I still think he's appropriately drafted at like number four, and number five overall. The real question is then the number two and number three. So they have Brandon Marshall and they have Sterling Shepard. So Sterling Shepard really did sort of show up and, and, and was a great number two receiver, was a great rookie, you know, kind of took over the job from Victor Cruz and made Victor Cruz expendable last year. And now, you know, the guy they bring in is Brandon Marshall. And part of my question is Brandon Marshall is so much of a talent and so much of a red zone receiver, and so physical and so gifted that I really start to wonder, I think he is going to take touches away from Sterling Shepard. And I think Brandon Marshall is going to be dominant this year. And I think Brandon Marshall is a sneaky good pickup in fantasy because he's going to get more red zone catches and more touchdowns than I think anybody's expecting. There's a real possibility that Brandon Marshall might have more touchdowns this year than Odell Beckham Jr. That's right, I said it. So I'm certainly much higher on Brandon Marshall than I am on Sterling Shepard. It's a little unfortunate because I think Shepard's growth might get stunted a little bit. But, I mean, Marshall is just too much of a talent to to let go undrafted. You know, if he's still on the draft board in, like, you know, round six or seven, I'd say go get him. Because if anything happens to Odell, you know, Brandon Marshall's going to be the number one guy. And then while Odell is on the field, he's going to draw double teams, which means it's going to open up opportunities for Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard. I like them both, but I like Marshall more. And I just think over the course of the season, there's a higher ceiling for Brandon Marshall. Um, Washington Redskins or the Washington football franchise, Terrell Pryor. I think Terrell Pryor's the guy to have. I think we're going to see him really break out this year. Last year was a breakout season as a wide receiver with the Browns, clearly showing everybody in the league that he is an amazing talent who can be a number one wide receiver in this league. And I think with Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball, subtractions of Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon from that offensive wide receiver core, you know, this is going to be a big year for Terrell Pryor. And do not forget Jamison Crowder. I think what's become forgotten about this Redskins team is that they are an amazing aerial attack. Kirk Cousins is a fantastic passer. I mean, maybe he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he's really shown to be an amazing quarterback who can air the ball out. And I mean, he had two 400-yard games last year. And, you know, he definitely airs the ball out. And Jamison Crowder really turned heads last year. I mean, Jamison Crowder was an amazing addition to that team. Addition, He's really been there a couple of years. But after they let Garcon and Deshaun Jackson go, now you've got Crowder and you've got Terrell Pryor. And I think both of them are going to be monstrous. I actually think they're both worth drafting. I mean, Terrell Pryor probably ahead of Jamison Crowder. But I think 
when Pryor draws double teams, Crowder's going to make them pay. And Crowder's not just a vertical guy, he's also a possession guy. So I think Crowder is actually being undervalued in this draft. So that's somebody worth taking a look at because Pryor and Crowder, I think, are both going to have value in fantasy. Let's jump to uh, another division here. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers. Now, Jordy Nelson. This is is tough because Jordy Nelson is absolutely a stud. But then you start talking about when you have amazing quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, the problem, when it's, it's a good problem, is that they throw the ball to so many people, you can't really count on the number one receiver getting number one looks and number one volume all the time. And when it comes to fantasy football, you got to talk about volume. Who's going to get the most targets? Who's going to get the most carries? Jordy Nelson's amazing, but then you got to throw in Devontae Adams taking away some looks. You got to throw in Randall Cobb, not to mention all the other players on that team, like tight ends and running backs who are going to get the ball um, from, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Geronimo Allison or Jeff Janis, these or Ty Montgomery for that reason, for that matter. So Jordy Nelson's a stud, but I'm a little, I think he's almost being drafted a little too high. I know he's in the top 10 and he put together amazing numbers, but I'm just. I'm ready for a regression, and I have a little bit more confidence in some of the other wide receivers going up at the top of the of the draft over Jordy Nelson. That's that's just my feeling on the matter. Um, same thing with like Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has been a stud of a pickup over the last five or six years, and now, I mean, he's his ADP is so low. I feel like he's going almost undrafted or getting drafted in the uh, the last few rounds, and I almost think. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for Randall Cobb to kind of bounce back and still, you know, turn some heads. I don't think he's going to do what Devontae Adams does. Devontae Adams, I think, has slid right into the number two receiver spot, and I think he's a solid play. If anything, I think you'll see a regression in Jordan Nelson's numbers, and you'll see an uptick in the numbers for Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. That's my take. Um, I think Adams and, and Nelson are are both safe bets and will be values in fantasy, though. Um Detroit Lions, Golden Tate. Golden Tate's the guy to have. He's going to get the looks. Marvin Jones, listen, he had that 200-yard game last year, but he really kind of dropped off over the rest of the season. So Golden Tate, I think, is the guy to have. But, you know, with as great an arm as Matthew Stafford has, it's a little tricky to count on the aerial attack for that Lions team. They just, the offensive line prevents the, the, the aerial attack production. And, you know... They do a lot of pass catching to the running backs. So it's hard for me to sort of say that Golden Tate's going to get that volume. I like Golden Tate. I think he's a great fantasy play. Um, I don't know if I would roll with him as one of my number one receivers. It's just there's other guys out there who I think you can have more confidence in. And Marvin Jones, listen, he'll be a late-round flyer. He could be a lottery ticket. But until I see more consistent production from him, I can't really count on him. Chicago Bears, this one's a mystery because... All of the receivers are gone now. Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, they're all gone. Now everyone's talking about Cameron Meredith. Because after Cameron Meredith, there's really nobody else that you're really focusing on like he's going to be the guy. You know, they drafted Kevin White to be that guy, but Kevin White missed his entire rookie season with injury. Last year was his first real season. He didn't really impress or turn heads. The guy who did was Cameron Meredith, this nobody who started catching balls from uh, Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley and getting 100-yard games and now going into this woeful season with Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky under center, 
the best option for the Bears is Cameron Meredith. And actually, in a way, I think he's going to get looks. I think he's going to get targets. I think he'll get volume. And he's being drafted pretty low. He is a sneaky, sneaky sleeper pick as a number one receiver for the Bears. You just got to take into consideration it's the Bears. And honestly, I don't even know who else to look at from a wide receiver perspective in Chicago. Um, Minnesota Vikings, the guys to look at are Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Now, I know they've got other guys on that roster. They've got Laquan Treadwell, but I, I just don't trust anybody else aside from uh, Thielen and Diggs. And with Sam Bradford's conservative dink and duck uh, passing game, they couldn't really open it up. Last year, their offensive line was so bad, they never had time to open it up. Stephon Diggs has been fantastic, but his consistency is so up and down. So... And then whenever you'd see his consistency go down, you started to see Adam Thielen, of all people, really, really step up. This was tricky because I don't know if I trust either of them. I think Stephon Diggs is a great pickup. You know, you're going to find him drafting pretty low. In an, he's got a low ADP, but, I mean, he, there's just so much upside. I don't want him as my number one receiver because I can't count on the production. Neither one of these guys can I count on the production. I think the Vikings are going to be a run-first team before they are a pass team. So, listen, if Diggs is the best option you got where you're drafting, I'd say go get him. If he if he sticks around to if he sticks around and he's still on the draft board in like you know round ten or eleven, pick him up. He's probably going to work out for you. But again, I just want to see more consistency from both of them because right now. I can't count on Stephon Diggs not having a two-catch for 14 yards game at any given time. It's just the nature of the beast with him. Uh, let's keep. Let's stay in the NFC, and let's go to the NFC South. Um, Carolina Panthers. This is an interesting one because I think Kelvin Benjamin has been their number one guy. but And Kelvin Benjamin looked good the first couple of weeks, but then he tailed off and really became rather meh over the course of last season. And then you start to look at all the other guys that are you know in that passing attack because... You know, you got Greg Olson, who's the tight end. Um, you know, you have Devin Funchess, who sort of showed up last year, but didn't really. And then you also need to take into consideration that Cam Newton's throwing the ball. It's not that he's a bad passer. It's just that passing is not their number one thing. They are a run-first team. From Cam Newton to Jonathan Stewart, now they have Christian McCaffrey, now, you know, Cameron Artis Payne. All of these guys are more of a run-run-run team first. So passing it to Greg Olson, you know... Uh, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, that's not their number one thing. But I fully expect that if you're talking about any wide receivers on the Panthers, the only one to have is Kelvin Benjamin. He's a big enough guy that he's going to get red zone looks. And I think that when you're looking at, you know, number one receivers on teams, you got to think of red zone looks and you got to think of volume. And I think Kelvin Benjamin gets that volume. And I know his uh, season tailed off last year, but I really think you got to you got to ante up again this year because there's just no other wide receivers on that team that are, I think are really going to set themselves apart and impress you. So I think Kelvin Benjamin's being drafted. I think he's a little lower than he should be, but uh, you know that's a guy who can really get on your roster, and I think you can count on him to help you out. Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Mike Evans. Mike Evans has been a target monster. Jameis Winston like force feeds him the ball, especially last year when you saw Vincent Jackson disappear and you saw guys like Cameron Brait, you know, step up and and actually uh, and oh what what the heck was that other Adam Humphreys was the other wide receiver. Now you got Deshaun Jackson on that team. So now Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson are going to be hogging all the targets along with the tight ends. Um, and, and you know, speaking of tight ends, they also brought in O.J. Howard. I think Evans is going to be a monster. 
I think Jameis Winston's going to take another step forward. And now listen, Deshaun Jackson's going to cut into his touches. And Deshaun Jackson's going to be exactly what he's been on the Redskins. He's going to be a home run hitter. He's going to work out for some, some fantasy players. His, his, his consistency is going to be up and down, up and down, up and down, like Deshaun Jackson always has been. But I think Mike Evans is going to continue to be the Mike Evans we've seen over the last couple of seasons. The volume is just there. Mike Evans is a solid, solid play. There's nothing wrong with his ADP. I think he's being drafted exactly where he should be. Go get him. Feel comfortable about it. Now, New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, as I meant, this is the same situation with the Packers. When you have an amazing quarterback, that means at any given time he's going to throw to anybody who you've never heard from. He could throw a touchdown pass to, uh, uh, oh God, um, who was the running back um, for the, uh, the, the the green or the fullback, John Kuhn. He threw a touchdown pass to John Kuhn last year. He'll throw a touchdown pass to Traveris Cadet. Uh, uh, so... The number one, they just moved on from Brandon Cooks. The number one wide receiver who you're going to look at is Michael Thomas. Rookie last year who really surprised everybody, uh, you know, took, you know, got the trust of Drew Brees and really showed that he could be an amazing wide receiver. And he's going to take a hell of a step forward in his second uh, year. But then you also need to think of like Willie Sneed, who also showed up and started turning heads and catching lots of balls from Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to throw the ball around everywhere that I think Michael Thomas is a safe bet. You know, he feels like the Marquise Colston of five or six years ago. Like Drew Brees, you know, last year as the season went on, I started to feel confident again and again that if Michael Thomas wasn't going to get in the end zone, that he was going to at least get enough catches that he would have a good fantasy day. So as much as Drew Brees spreads the ball around, I feel more confident in Michael Thomas as a number one receiver for the Saints over, say, like Jordy Nelson as a number one receiver for the Packers. I really think Michael Thomas is going to be a monster. And then again, Willie Sneed, He's going to get those looks. He's going to get those touches. He's going to be great. I mean, it's just, when you're deal, when you're talking about the Saints passing attack, as long as Drew Brees is there, both of those guys will have fantasy value. Now, the Atlanta Falcons is a no-brainer. Julio Jones, it's a no-brainer. I mean, he's being drafted exactly where he should be, probably higher. I'd probably take Julio Jones over Odell Beckham Jr. There is a sense like you're going to see a regression now that Kyle Shanahan has left. Um I mean, I think you're going to see a regression in Atlanta simply because it's hard to maintain anything at that level, you know, for more than a single season. Uh, and then you need to think about Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, all these other guys that are going to be in that Atlanta passing attack. I think Sanu is going to get his. Um, so is certainly Taylor Gabriel, but I don't know if anybody else is enough of a lock to get the production like Julio Jones. He's just so much of a monster. He gets so much volume. You know, the other guys, they're great plays if you're in a deep league, if you're in a 12-team or a 16-team, but, I mean, the guy that you really got to feel solid about is Julio Jones, and after that, it's hard to trust the production. All right, let's finish up the NFC by going to the NFC West. Seattle Seahawks. Now, wide receivers in Seattle have been a tricky thing because, essentially, you're looking at Doug Baldwin and you're looking at Jermaine Curse, and, and that's it. Now, I know, you know, they got other guys after. I think they still have Tyler Lockett, but... This Seahawks team has never really been known for their passing, with the exception of two years ago. At the end, two years ago, the end of the season, when Marshawn Lynch got hurt uh, and and Jimmy Graham essentially got hurt, uh, they pretty much force fed the ball to Doug Baldwin, and Doug Baldwin started catching. He, st- he for the from like week eight to week seventeen, he looked like Jerry Rice. And the truth is that hasn't happened since. It hasn't happened before, and it's not going to happen this season. I know Doug Baldwin gets drafted pretty high, but. I'm not going to have him on my team. As much as he's the number one receiver for Seattle, 
You know, Seattle is not about that. They'll throw the ball. Russell Wilson can air it out, but their number one game is to run the ball or to have a Russell Wilson scramble or a nice toss to the tight end. Like there's more of a fa- there's more of a feeling like Russell Wilson's going to run it or bootleg than I feel like you know he's going to be you know force feeding the ball to Doug Baldwin like you see with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. So listen, Doug Baldwin's a safe play. I think he's being drafted a little too high. I wouldn't draft him. And I mean, I just, I'm very skeptical of the wide receivers in Seattle, and I continue to be. Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals, where the number one guy is Larry Fitzgerald. Every year we think he's over the hill. Every year we're ready for him to drop off. Every year we're just ready for the wheels to come off the wagon, and it hasn't happened yet. And Arizona has not brought in anybody else to take that number one receiver job from him. If anything, they thought Michael Floyd was going to be the guy, and they ran him out of town after he got busted with a drunk driving, and his production absolutely disappeared last year. And aside from Larry Fitzgerald, you're looking at John Brown and Jaron Brown as the only other guys who are going to steal that number one job from him. And I'm thinking that after as terrible as the Cardinals season was last year, I really think they're going to bounce back this year. And I think Larry Fitzgerald's going to be the beneficiary. As as old as he is, I still think he's the best wide receiver option to have in that uh, Cardinals offense. And it's tough to really say that anybody else is really going to be a, a tastier, you know, pickup on that wide receiver team than him. I mean, John Brown, yeah, but, you know, John Brown's had injury issues and his production dipped last year. And he's also a home run hitter. So, I mean, Fitzgerald, the tough thing is, is I, I still think he's being drafted a little too high. I think he can be drafted lower, and I just I have a lot of faith that he and Carson Palmer are going to click this year, and I'm really curious to see how it shakes out. Now, San Francisco 49ers, um, this is a toughie because you got Pierre Garçon, you got you got you still got Jeremy Curley, you got Aldrich Robinson. I mean, these are all sort of guys that. Uh, Kyle Shanahan knows they're all low priced guys. I mean, the Niners are in a rebuilding s- situation right now. Uh, I'm not expecting anything flashy or exciting because I really don't know what the quarterback play is going to look like in San Francisco yet. And I think Shanahan is going to rely on the run a lot. So Garcon seems to be the only guy worth having in San Francisco right now. And, and I don't even know. I mean, maybe I'd take a late round flyer on him, but I still think he's being drafted almost a little too high. It's tough because I don't think there's any wide receivers in San Francisco at all right now worth having. The LA Rams just traded for Sammy Watkins. And you know what? I still wouldn't draft Sammy Watkins. I think he's being drafted way too high. I think his stock is going to go down now that he's catching balls from Jared Goff. And, um... I think Robert Woods was the other uh, former Bills receiver who signed with the Rams. I And then you got Tavon Austin. I don't have faith in any of these guys. You know, maybe if you guys like uh, Sammy Watkins, go draft him. I'm not touching any of these guys with a 10-foot pole. That's my take on it. I think the Rams wide receivers are worth forgetting. Okay, you still with me? We just went through the NFC. Let's go through the AFC. Let's start with the Patriots. Now, same situation with the Packers and the Saints. Who the hell is Tom Brady going to throw the ball to? Is it going to be Julian Edelman? Is it going to be Brandon Cooks? Is it going to be Malcolm Mitchell? Is it going to be, you know, Chris Hogan? All of them are going to get looks. I think Brandon Cooks is going to surprise people and get a lot of, uh, he's going to get a lot of targets. I think he's going to start earning Tom Brady's trust pretty quickly. Um, I still think Julian Edelman is going to get a lot of possession moments. Um, 
you know, you got to throw Danny Amendola in that mix as well. But Edelman and Cooks, I think, are the only guys to really trust on a week-to-week basis to get production, at least from a fantasy football perspective. You can't count on Malcolm Mitchell or Chris Hogan, any of these guys consistently showing up and having 100-yard days. Sure, Chris Hogan will have a three-catch, 100-yard you know, touchdown game in like week eight or something, but you can't count on him doing it the next week after that. And that's the issue with the Patriots, you know, Brandon Cooks has the highest ceiling. People are saying he might be Randy Moss of 07. We got to see it to believe it. I think he's being drafted a little too high just because I can't, I cannot count on the consistency with the Patriots. Buffalo Bills, like I said, uh, or well, like I said, I was talking earlier, Anquan Bolden just retired. And there was a sense that Anquan Bolden and Jordan Matthews are probably the the number one guys uh, right now in Buffalo. Bolden retires, so now you're talking about Jordan Matthews. I know he just got a chip fracture in his sternum in the first practice in Buffalo, but this is the best option you have. Jordan Matthews is going to be there. He's going to get his, and he's proven during his career in the NFL that, that he makes things happen. He plays through injuries. He knows how to catch the ball. He's got a proven track record that he can play football in this league. And I think right now with nobody else on that roster, that's the guy you got to look at. Jordan Matthews is probably the best wide receiver play, and he's being drafted really, really low. And I know they run the ball a lot, but Anthony Lynn is no longer there. You got a new offensive coordinator. You got a new coaching staff. They're going to focus on the defense. And yeah, they're going to run the ball, but I do think they're going to want Tyrod Taylor to throw it. And right now, Jordan Matthews is the best option you have in that wide receiver core. Miami Dolphins, um, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. Um, there's a, Okay, I still think Jarvis Landry is going to make noise as a possession receiver. He's going to get his. He's going to be in PPR. He's going to be a monster. I still think that that's appropriate for Jarvis Landry. And uh, But Devontae Parker, they're talking a lot about him taking a step forward this year. Like really, really stepping up and being a number one receiver. I think, listen, if you want to take a gamble, I think it's worth gambling. Because I think he could really step up and put up those numbers. And now that you put Jay Cutler under center, you take Tannehill out of there. And I mean, listen... Cutler does have a penchant for turning the ball over, but I think he's got a better arm and he's got some better accuracy than Tannehill. And I think Devontae Parker and Jarvis, I think all of them, Stills, all of these guys are going to benefit. I still think Stills doesn't need to be drafted or he can be drafted really late in drafts. But I mean, I'm really excited to see, you know, how Cutler clicks with Parker and Landry. Parker and Landry are both worth picking up. I think they're going to be valuable in fantasy. The New York Jets, I'm not going to say anything. There's nobody worth having. There's nobody worth having. I can't trust the quarterback. I can't trust the wide receivers. I think Robbie Anderson and Sharon Peak are probably the only guys worth dra- – none of them are worth drafting. I'm just moving on. No offense, Shaka. I'm moving on. Baltimore Ravens. This will be interesting because Steve Smith is now gone. Joe Flacco says he's going to start week one. He might not. They just brought in Jeremy Macklin. So now you're looking at Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, and then, you know, everybody else. Kamar Aiken, the tight ends, et cetera, et cetera. There's a real question mark as to how the target share is going to be divvied up between Wallace and Macklin. You know, Wallace is clearly a little bit of a take-the-top-off guy. You know, Macklin's probably going to be more of a possession receiver. Can Macklin stay healthy enough to put the numbers up that he's done over the last couple of years? I mean, I think they're both equally going to be valuable. I don't know if either one of them is going to set the world on fire as a number as a top 10 receiver, 
but I think they both should be drafted. I think they both have value, and I think Macklin is probably going to be more of a PPR guy than Wallace will, and I think Macklin is going to surprise some people because he's always managed to have some value in fantasy, and I think last year was probably an anomaly. I'm expecting a bounce back from Macklin in this Ravens offense, so... I think they're both worth having on your roster if they're still on the draft board late in drafts. Cleveland Browns, you know, I like a lot of the moves the Cleveland Browns have made in the offseason, and one of the moves I do like is Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt, you know, he's not the flashiest guy, and we, for- or, and we forget how long he's been in this league. He's also been forgotten as, you know, he had those injuries when he was in Tennessee. Um, you know, the LA Rams were so bad last year, it was kind of easy to forget what Kenny Britt was doing or that he had a thousand yard season last year with the Rams with, uh, you know, Case Keenum and Jared Goff throwing him the ball. Now he's in Cleveland. And I actually think he's a pretty dependable guy. You know, now he's stayed healthy for a handful of years. He came off a thousand yard season and he's a guy who can go get the ball. He's tall. He's big. And, uh, I think he's a sneaky pickup. I actually think Kenny Britt will have some fantasy value on the Cleveland Browns this year. That's right. I said it. They got a good offensive line, and they really want to try to turn a corner. Kenny Britt's a nice sleeper to have. Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, this is obvious. Antonio Brown's a monster. He's going to be a monster this year. I don't see any reason why he's going to have a regression or to see his stats dip, aside from the fact that he's just been amazing the last handful of years. The real thing here is Martavis Bryant coming back from suspension. I mean, this was a guy who really took the league by storm when he showed up. I mean, he's an amazing home run hitter. He's definitely a step up from Mike Wallace when they uh, they sort of parted ways with Mike Wallace and Martavis Bryant took that job over. He's worth a pickup. Both of them are going to be fantasy values. Um, I think Martavis Bryant's actually being drafted a little low, so I think you could probably pick him up and get away with having a nice guy like that on your roster you know, uh, you know, a, a little, you know, a little sneaky pick, but I just think Roethlisberger airs that ball out. He's now been with Todd Haley's offense for a while. They like to throw it. They're going to continue to throw it. And if the running game is as dangerous as it usually is with Levy and Bell, these guys are going to just set teams on, they're going to set defenses on fire. Both of them have fantasy value. Get Go get both of them. Cincinnati Bengals, AJ Green, obvious. He, I, you know, he's coming back from an injury. I think he's still going to be AJ Green, still going to be a monster. I don't see any reason why his production will dip. Um, the real question is who else? Brandon LaFell, you know, they got a, a Tyler Boyd, you know, they got this new guy, John Ross. I'm just really unsure if any of them are going to be fantasy values aside from AJ Green. I think Brandon LaFell is going to get more looks than people are thinking. But I think A.J. Green is the guy to have, and unless you're in a super deep league, I can't really count on any of the other wide receivers there being worth having, especially when a guy like Tyler Eifert, the tight end, gets a lot of looks in that offense. And, you know, Marvin Lewis likes to run the ball a lot. He's got Jeremy Hill, he's got Giovanni Bernard, and now he's got Joe Mixon. I mean, if anything, they're going to take a lot of those, they're going to get a lot of those uh, targets as well. Now, um, let's jump to the Denver Broncos. This is an interesting division because since Peyton Manning retired, they've got great receivers. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are both studs for the Denver Broncos, but their passing game just isn't there. They just named Trevor Simeon the starting quarterback. If you don't have Simeon out there, you got Paxton Lynch. Neither of them really set themselves apart as amazing passers. They can pass the ball, but that's not where their strengths are at. They're definitely conservative guys who will not turn the ball over. So, It takes away some of the fantasy value of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. You have to temper your expectations. So I think both of them are getting drafted a little too high. 
because they both have the reputation of, you know, the players they were before Simeon was the starting quarterback. And I think they will both be good. They're both going to kind of, you know, shine, even though they're catching balls from Simeon. But I think, again, you need to expect them to not be amazing because they're going to have up and down games because the truth is the focal point of that team is not their passing game. It's their defense. You know, the offense is the thing which is forgettable about that Denver team. And it just stinks because, you know, I'm probably going to draft other guys over Demarius Thomas. That's my thought on it. Now, uh, Oakland Raiders, Amari Cooper, and Michael Crabtree. Uh, the thing that sort of, you know, kind of head-scratched people last year was how Amari Cooper, I think they were they were ready for him to go further, and he kind of didn't. Michael Crabtree essentially is a little bit more of a red zone target for Derek Carr than Amari Cooper is. Amari Cooper is a little bit more of the take-the-top-off-the-defense explosive playmaker, but I think there was an expectation that Cooper can fill that role. Either way... I think Cooper's a good play. I, do, I think he will take a step forward this season. And I think Crabtree's going to continue to be a red zone target. You know, even though they got Seth Roberts and a few, of the, and they just brought in Jared Cook at the tight end, Cooper and Crabtree are the guys to have. They're both going to be valuable from fantasy. They're both going to get t- uh, touches. They're both going to get targets. And I think they're both going to get touchdowns. They're just, they're both safe plays. I think they're both being drafted appropriately. You can't feel bad about either of them. Now, uh, let's move on. L.A. Chargers. Or the San, I want to keep calling them the San Diego Chargers. The big Keenan Allen's the guy to have, but the question is, you know, how's he going to look one year removed from an ACL tear? And uh, you know, whenever he was on the field, he was amazing, top five, top ten receiver. I'm banking on it. I think he's going to come back to that form, and I think he will do that this coming year. He certainly earned the trust of Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers is a guy who likes to throw the ball around. So you know, even with everybody else on that roster, like Tyrell Williams. Dontrell Inman, Travis Benjamin, Antonio Gates, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon. I mean, all of these guys, I still think Keenan Allen's the guy to have. But, you you know, Tyrell Williams, I mean, if he's still there late in the draft, go get him. Because Keenan Allen, if he has another injury issue, Tyrell Williams is going to step right in and take those touches. Now, there was an expectation that their rookie Mike Williams might actually be able to make some noise this year, but it looks like he's not going to be starting at the, re- at the top of the regular season, and he's a rookie anyway. Keenan Allen's the guy to have. Tyrell Williams is probably the other guy who I would say on the radar for the Chargers. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, this is interesting because... Uh, their passing game is not where it's at. You know, they're a running team. They're a conservative passing attack with Alex Smith under center. And really, you know, after they got rid of Jeremy Macklin, you're looking at Tyreek Hill as their number one wide receiver. And Tyreek Hill is a little bit more of a gadget guy. I think they want to make him more of a traditional wide receiver, but, you know, he's been the punt returner. They have him run out of the backfield. I mean, he's clearly a Deshaun Jackson weapon who you can just put all over the field. But it still begs the question, who is their number one wide receiver and who's going to get the main looks? And I think it's Tyreek Hill. So that's an interesting question because it's really like, how's he going to fit into this offense? And then, you know, after him, the other wide receivers aren't really worth having because the rest of the targets go to guys like Travis Kelsey. They go to running backs. They go to Spencer Ware. So Tyreek Hill is really the only wide receiver I think worth having from the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, beyond him... It's really tough to look at anybody else. Now, finally, the last division, and I'm sorry, guys, possibly the most boring division out there, the AFC South, Houston Texans. Now, DeAndre Hopkins was a stud two years ago. He was a stud several years ago. Last year, 
when Brock Osweiler, Brock Osweiler was the quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins vanished. I mean, this was a guy who was being drafted in the top five wide receivers last year. Now he's being put down around like wide receiver 10 or 12. Um, I think there's a feeling that he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to bounce back. I certainly think he's going to bounce back, at least with a competent quarterback. I think he'll get more looks. And with a guy who got 1,000 yards receiving after catching balls from four different quarterbacks two years ago, yeah, I think he's got a potential to really bounce back. But I really... I don't know who else to look at in that wide receiver core because you start talking about, you know, Will Fuller could have been that guy, but he's hurt. Um, I think they also have uh, uh, Broxton Miller. Uh, They have um, Jalen Strong from a couple of years ago. But really, the only other guy catching balls in that offense who I thought was impressive was the tight end C.J. Fedorowicz. So beyond DeAndre Hopkins, again, I don't know if there's any other wide receivers in Houston that I can truly trust. Tennessee Titans, this is an interesting one, okay? Tajay Sharp was the guy they really brought in. He was a bit of a disappointment last year, but then he's a rookie. I mean, you don't know what to expect from him. Now you need to look at the fact that they they drafted Corey Davis very high in the draft, like number five or six overall. They brought in Eric Decker on a one-year contract, who's a pr- very nice red zone target, big guy, and really proved that he was not just a product of Peyton Manning's offense in Denver when he came to the Jets and was able to catch passes there. Then you need to also factor in Rashard Matthews. Rashard Matthews was an amazing uh, wide receiver for the Titans down the stretch last year and tight end Delaney Walker. They all get looks from Marcus Mariota. So of these guys, which is the guy to have? I mean, it's tricky. I think I, I want to say that there's going to be great upside from Corey Davis this year, but I just don't know because when it comes to, you know, sort of gauging rookies in fantasy, that's one of my weak spots. I always have trouble with that. Rashard Matthews and Eric Decker, I think, both have value. I think that the Titans are going to they're going to go up this year. They're going to trend upward. They're going to get better. They're going to score more. Mariota's going to throw the ball more. And I think Matthews and Decker are both going to be fantasy plays. And you know what? If Corey Davis is still there, pick him up. Because you don't know what's going to happen. But I do think he's going to have fantasy value this year. Now, um, Indianapolis Colts, this is tricky. You know, T.Y. Hilton, of course, it's obvious, but who the hell's going to be throwing him the ball? We don't know when Luck is going to be ready. We don't know when he'll come back. Um, You know, there's really a question mark as to who else is going to be in there in that offense. I mean, Dante Moncrief is probably the only other wide receiver that I would say is worth having from a fantasy perspective. And I think both of them have fantasy value, but I think T.Y. Hilton might be getting drafted a little too high if he's going to be catching the ball from Scott Tolzien. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is a monster. I do think he is a stud top 10 wide receiver, but I just have to temper my expectations when I think who will be passing him the ball. So, I mean, I'm, I think T.Y. Hilton's being drafted a little too high. Those are my thoughts on the matter. I think Dante Moncrief is right around where he should be. Um, you know, I think he, Dante Moncrief is a guy who, he's more of a possession guy, whereas T.Y. Hilton will take the top off the defense. I think Moncrief is more of a solid play in PPR and for me, I'm not going to have Hilton on my team just because I'm never going to draft him as high as where he's going right now. And this all sort of stems back to the quarterback situation because if Luck was healthy and on the field, go get T.Y. Hilton. He's money in the bank. But with Luck's health, I don't know what I'm getting. Lastly, and probably leastly, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, quarterback situation puts all of it into question. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns were studs up until last year, and then Robinson, you know, disappeared. I mean, this was a top five fantasy wide receiver who really did disappear from the face of the earth last year and started coming out this past offseason saying, hey, can our quarterback throw the ball inbounds? So there's a lot of dysfunction, I think, in that passing game. 
uh, as the preseason has worn on, there's been more of a sense of Bortles not having the job and more of a sense that Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone want to have this offense be a run-first offense. So I'm starting to think that I can't trust any of these wide receivers. I don't really know. I mean, I want to draft Allen Robinson. Listen, if he's there in round six or seven or ten, yeah, draft him. But I don't think people are going to let him slip that late because he's just been so darn good, and there's really a sense that if Chad Henney gets this job back, he could really breathe life into Allen Robinson all over again. Same thing with Allen Hearns. But two years ago, I think last year, two years ago, I would have drafted Allen Robinson. This year, I just can't trust it. I just can't trust it. Anyway, that's uh, that's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot for uh, going through uh, my wide receiver breakdown uh, with the fantasy football. I hope you're getting ready for your draft. I hope you're taking some notes. Hopefully this helps helps you win your league. Um, but as always, thanks for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can follow me on iTunes. You can uh, download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com with any questions you might have, any thoughts you might have. Or if you just want to disagree with me and tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'd love to hear that as well. Um, But in the meantime, everybody, get your fantasy drafts ready. Make your notes. Set your cues. um, Barrel through the rest of this preseason football, and before you know it, we'll be getting ready for kickoff. But in the meantime, take it easy. Enjoy yourselves. I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.